Well, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Pastor Janelle. I have a privilege of being one of the associate pastors here, and I have the privilege of sharing the word with you tonight. So we're going to be coming from Galatians 5, 13 through 14, and I pray blessings rain on you like that rain is raining on the building. Hallelujah. Galatians 5, verses 13 and 14. And if you're taking notes, the title of my sermon is Born Identity, Called to Freedom. Galatians 5, verses 13 through 14. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Father, we thank you for your precious word to us. Lord, it gives life. It transforms us. It allows us to know you and your heart. Father, as we study your word tonight, help us to comprehend. Lord, help us to know your heart in it. Father, that when we leave this place tonight, Lord, we are the better. We, we, have, we know you better and we can do better because we believe you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So I want to talk to you quickly about three things. The call, the cross, and our consecration. The call the cross, and our consecration. Here it says we are called to freedom. Um, I like to do movie nights with my husband, and we usually don't go out to the movies because we end up leaving halfway through and asking for our money back because it started off well, and then you know that one moment it turns. And so we've learned just don't go to the movies, wait till it comes out on DVD where we can fast forward or do what we need to do. But we were channel surfing, looking for a movie, and we came across a movie called Born Identity. Well, this is um, Jason Bourne, and he's lost his memory, and he's trying to figure out who he is, and he's constantly running from someone that he doesn't know why they're chasing him. Have you ever been in a place when you're running, but you don't know why you're being chased? So in the midst of this movie, and we ended up turning, so I can't tell you what happened at the end. <laughs> so if you've ever seen it, great. If you haven't, don't go see it. Um, but it was amazing to me how life will speak spiritually if you let it. And this man, although free and can roam the streets, was always looking behind his back because he wasn't sure what was chasing him, but he knew something was chasing him. There's a difference between being free and walking in freedom. In the midst of him being free, he was still worried about what was behind him. Who is chasing him? What continues to try to keep me bound? And in the midst of it, I'm trying to figure out my identity. Who am I in Christ? God, why am I here? I know I have a purpose, but I don't have a clue what it is, God. Everybody around me seems to know what they're called to do. And I pray, can't hear you. Don't really have any giftings that I can identify that you gave me, Lord. What is my identity? I thought about Nicodemus, when, who was a Pharisee, who went to Jesus at night. He tipped to Jesus because he didn't want to see anybody see him talk to Jesus during the daytime. I call him Nick at night. So he tipped over to Jesus and asked him, so what is the salvation thing? And so Jesus told him, you must be born again. So Nicodemus, in his in his natural mind, thought, well, how can I go back in my mother's womb to be born again? He was missing the whole point. He was bringing a secular mindset into a sacred place. 
So Jesus was telling them, Nicodemus, you don't understand. When you get born again, you take on my identity. You take on who I am. So that's why I called it born identity. When we get into the place where we understand who Jesus is and the places of we are and who we are because of him, there's a different born identity that we get to walk in that ushers freedom in our life. So not only are we free, but we're walking in freedom. As we look at the call, that word in the original means to be invited. What I love about God is he doesn't get out his RSVP list and say, I'm going to invite this one and this one I'm not going to invite. You know how we do, not because we don't want people to come, but because we probably can't afford all the hospitality it would take to invite everybody we want to invite. So we choose the people who, for whatever the situation is. But we know in John 3.16, God said, whosoever will, which means everybody's invited to this feast. Whoever wants to come, come on, because there's salvation waiting for you. So we've all been invited into it. And not only have we been invited into it, I love the RSPs that say you can bring somebody. So now I know I'm not going to be standing in the corner by myself and not know anybody. I can be booing them with me so I'm not alone. I can, I can have fellowship in the midst of this party. So whosoever will come and you get to invite people in to this salvation. So God has called us into freedom. So what does this freedom look like? Believe it or not, this word means to live as you should and not as you please. Uh-oh. Because isn't that what our flesh wants to do? It wants to live as we please instead of living as we should. So the freedom comes when we understand not only are we free and have an identity in Christ, but now we get to walk out this salvation with fear and trembling. Now we get to really understand who God is and what he's done for us. You know, it wasn't until I really had kids that I understood the parent-child um, thing. And I uh, shared this story a long time ago, so for those of you who knew, it's going to be new. For those of you who have heard it, like Paul said, it is not grievous to me to repeat it again. But my son is an avid reader. So you know how they had a little book fairs at school? And he came home with this long list of about $70 worth of books that he wanted. And I'm looking at this list, and I said, well, which one do you want? He said, all of them. And I'm thinking, boy, I am not paying, this is a cell phone bill, I'm not paying. And as I'm going on talking, I see his little countenance drop. I said, go ahead and buy these books, because I knew he was going to read them. So I went ahead and I wrote the check to the school, and he went the next day, and then he comes off the bus, and I want to see all these books I bought. And he comes off the bus with this little pamphlet. And I said, um, where are the other books? He said, oh, they, they ran out of them. I said, oh, were they going to give you, did they give you a rain check? Are they going to order the books and give them to you? I don't know. I said, okay, so did they give you, did you give them the check? Yes. Are they going to give you any money back? I don't know. He was just happy with his little $70 pamphlet. And the more I asked him questions and the more nonchalant he was about my $70, I, I began to get angry. I could feel the blood boiling up. And finally, I looked at this little boy and says, where is what I bought? And the moment I said that, Jesus said exactly, where's what I bought? I bought your freedom. I bought your peace. I 
but your joy. How many you know that little parenting situation changed all of a sudden? And I let my son go on and read his little pamphlet because now it was time to have a meeting with Jesus. Because he said, you're missing a lot of what I bought you. And so let's do an inventory because I wanted to do an inventory with him. What books don't you have? Do you know what the cross bought for us? Do you know he nailed every sin that you have done, will do, to the cross? That you are no longer condemned? But here we walk knowing we're free, but we're not walking in freedom. Recently, God has been dealing with me with emotions I didn't even know were in me. I grew up similar to our pastor. My family was literally the Jeffersons. We moved on up. So all the blacks lived in this one part of town. My dad got a really good job, and we moved across town to this place called Forest Hills where the mayor lived. Now, most of you would have thought that was great. But for me and my brothers, it was not great. It was not good. Because we broke some things in the natural and in the spirit that people didn't want broken. One was the color line. Here I am, 10 years old, battling adults and the things they're saying to me because of my color, something I can't even change. You know, sometimes you get in a battle where you're thinking, well, if I could change it, I surely would. If I could wake up purple tomorrow, believe me, all this headache, I would do it. But in the midst of it, what I didn't realize is I began to become my own advocate. I had to fight. It wasn't that I wanted to fight. I had to fight. My brothers, they had to fight. Because now we find ourselves in an atmosphere where we're invited, but we're not welcomed. And in the midst of that, I began to be my own advocate because what we had to do, we had to fight. So I grow, grew up fighting. So here I am, an adult, stepping in now to the workplace. And most of the places I've worked between the police department and uh, TRW, which was a military defense contracting company, all men. So now I'm not fighting about my color, I'm fighting about my gender. And so now I'm finding myself dealing with old emotions that are triggered because of something similar I'm going through. What I realized in those moments is, uh-oh, I'm free, but I'm not walking in freedom. Because what's happening is I'm beginning to respond to old emotions that were there that weren't healed, that I hadn't turned over to the Lordship of Christ. So in the midst of being free, I'm still in the jail cell with the door open because now I'm enslaved to these emotions that are keeping me bound. So what do I want to do? Be my own advocate again. I've been here, know how to do this. God said, but are I not, am I not your advocate? Did I not say I would advocate for you? So you have to step into what Christ has done for you, the completed work of the cross, and believed I'm not going to get delivered, I'm already delivered. And in the midst, amen, and the midst of that deliverance, I can walk in a way now that glorifies God, that makes men stop and say, what is wrong with her? We're doing this, 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 this to her. And she's not responding. She's not doing what we want her to do. How I many know that speaks so much louder than me re reacting in the flesh and the hurt and the pain of things, not just in that moment, but years ago. So I've learned that the cross was enough. Matter of fact, it's more than enough because God has delivered us. So when we look at this sin that God nailed to the cross for us, 
I want to look at Colossians 2.14. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him. Having forgiven us of all transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt, consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So what is he saying? You had a serious debt against you, and what Christ did on that cross sacrificially took that debt away. So now not only are you free, you get to walk in freedom. You get to live in a place where you know no matter what is happening, God is still in control. He's bigger than the situation. He's bigger than your emotions. He's bigger than the hurt and allows us to respond in a way that glorifies him, that testifies of his kingdom. How many of you love to be corrected in here? Just go ahead and tell me about myself. (laughs) You know, that's why the Bible says, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Truth is the medicine, the sugar that helps the medicine go down. It's hard to hear truth about yourself, but truth will help you. Truth will set you free. I love how Pastor Tim, one of our pastors in Orlando, says the truth will set you free right after it makes you mad. Because you got to deal with who you are and what God wants to do with you. As we look at this passage, Paul is writing to the Galatian church because they're dealing with the Judaizers. And they were Jewish Christians who thought they needed to connect Old Testament ceremonial things to salvation. So they were telling the Gentiles, well, you can't be saved unless you're really circumcised. So all of the completed work of the cross, basically what they were saying was, was not enough. You need to do this, 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 and this as well. Do we not hear that in our hearts sometime? We think, oh, this is too easy. We got to work for God. We got to get up, sun up, sun down. But how many know when you understand the completed work of the cross, then all your work resolves out of his will and a relationship with him. That God said to do this thing. That he wants you to come into a place and, and, and use your gifts and know who you are in him. That's where it all begins. Now, when we talk about sin, we live in a society who's decided to repackage sin to make it look good. But Galatians 5.22 reminds us what the fruit of the flesh is. It says, now the practices of the sinful nature are clearly evident. They are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, total irresponsibility, and lack of self-control. Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife jealousy, fits of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions that promote heresies, envy, drunkenness, riotous behavior, and other things the like. I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We just turned on Channel 4 News when I read that. And the difficulty is that it's not just the world saying this, it's the church. That we have bought these things into the church and think it's okay. We can reason away it's not sin. But when the Bible calls it sin, it's sin. If it walk like a duck and quack like a duck, it's a duck. 
We need to call sin what God calls sin and not apologize for it. Now, that doesn't mean we take the word like it's a butcher's knife and butcher people with it. Isaiah 50 says that I would have the tongue of the learned, that you would go in and and in precision declare God's word that it causes people to pause and listen. That what sin is, it's sin. And God has already made it evident of what that sin is. He's called it for what it is. So we don't need church councils. We don't need committees. We don't need the, the people, whoever they are, to determine what sin is. God has already told us. The great news is, he says, when you receive me, I take your sin, the decrees and the things that were against you, and I nail it to the cross, which means you don't walk in condemnation. Now you walk in conviction. God, I want to be right before you. This is about relationship, being in step with you. And that's why it's important to daily walk with him so you know that you're in step with him. Have you ever noticed when you're out of step with God, you just know something's not right? And you try to put your finger on that something. You're praying, you're seeking. God, there's something not right. I talked to someone today. They said, I just can't hear God. I said, well, let's figure out why he's not talking. Because he desires to have a relationship with us. He desires to walk with us. And when we understand the completed work of the cross, we run to him. Daddy, I messed up. Forgive me, I have sinned against you. The cross is so important to understand in this hour and the sacrifice that it took. You know, as we celebrate 4th of July and the, you know, the, we're free now, it's the birthday of America, and we know that freedom wasn't, and that fight wasn't about people's souls, it was about taxation, the dollar. And in our freedom, many people perished fighting for that freedom. Jesus died for our freedom, a sacrifice. And what I'm learning is that the sacrificial kind of love that God speaks of puts others before ourselves. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Had no sin on him and took on our sin. The sacrifice it takes for us to be free and to walk in freedom. It took the blood of Christ to do it. Do we understand the sacrifice that he made? I think if we did, we would walk so much better in holiness. My, my son, who has a, an apartment out in L.A., it's funny. When he was growing up, lights on, come into the kitchen, open up the refrigerator, stand there for an hour and try to figure out what he wanted, only to close it. Refrigerator full, you can't put anything in it, but we have nothing to eat. Constantly turning the lights off in his room, and he come and flick them back on and have them all on all day while he's gone to school. Well, now he has his own apartment, and he's paying his own bills. So I went to see him, and it was getting kind of, you know, dust, but they're not turning any lights on. They're using their cell phone as the light. I'm thinking, well, let's turn some lights on in here. Nobody wants to turn the lights on because of the bill. I'm like, oh, we understand the sacrifice now. And, you know, I just wanted to go in and just flip every light on, open up the refrigerator. You have no food in this house. But now all of a sudden, he understood the sacrifice and what it took, the payment. And now all of a sudden, the lights aren't on. I'm going to use my cell phone as a light. Isn't it deep? (laughs) 
when the tables change and we understand what it takes that we appreciate, it's so much more. When we yield to the Spirit of God, because Galatians 5 is about walking in the Spirit, we have to sacrifice. We sacrifice our emotions. We sacrifice the right to be right. And most of the time, we're not right. But there's a lot of things we need to sacrifice to walk with God, but they're nowhere near what he's done for us. But in that moment that we feel that tinge where we got to be nice to somebody that's not nice to us, or we got to treat the boss and pray for the boss while everybody else is talking about them, we have to respond differently. And we feel that tinge in the flesh because it's that battle of the flesh and the spirit. Paul said it this way, Lord, to know you and the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering. So when you feel that tinge, you can say, Lord, I get to fellowship with you. This is how you felt, only this is a microcosm compared to humanity of what you felt. Thank you, Lord, for sacrificing for me, for standing and taking my sins. Puts a whole new new spin on what you got to go through. Amen? when you remember what Christ has done for us. Ephesians 5, 2, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. God has called us to love one another. And that's difficult. Let's just say it. It's very hard to love one another because we all come from different backgrounds. We all have different mindsets. And until we get the the mindset of the kingdom, there's going to be friction, because God puts us all together to grow. But I love this scripture because it says, walk in love. I mean, you know, walking is a verb. It's very purposeful. I've never seen anybody accidentally walk. It's very intentional. We need to intentionally walk in love when our flesh wants to do something different. As I was struggling with these emotions, the Lord said to me, so how would you treat this person if they were doing what you wanted them to do? So I recanted to God what I would do. He said, well, do that. How many you know my flesh didn't want to hear that? I wanted him to d- deal with it. But no, he dealt with me. Isn't that the love of God? And not only did he deal with me, he said, I want you to pray for them, and I want you to send them something as a gift. That's the love of God, to deaden your flesh so that Christ is alive in us. And I realized that situation had nothing to do with that other person. It's all about me. He was dealing with what was in me because he wanted it. And I had a moment to either fight him or work with him. He said, I will conform you to my image. And so I recognized that it had nothing to do with this person, even though what I felt they did was wrong didn't line up with scripture, but that's not my lane. My lane is to believe by faith because God said, I will complete what I've started. So for me to look at them wrong says, God, I don't trust you for you to grow them. I don't trust you to conform them. That's what I'm really saying in my actions. So I had to just get real and say, Danelle, this isn't about anybody but you. It's what God wants in you so that he can put him in you. So not only am I preaching it, I'm living it. There's a difference. So Christ said to walk in love as Christ loved us. So not only did he say walk in love, he said, this is how I want you to walk in love. How many of you have found a situation where you're like, Lord, I don't even want to talk to them? Mm -mm. 
Not going, they can go their way, I'll go my way. All right now. I heard an amen on the amen choir. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Because we deal with our flesh on a daily basis. And we come up with the ways that we're going to love. Do we not? So I'm not going to talk to you and I'm not going to serve with you and I'm not going to do this with you. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to still serve God. Like he's receiving that. Your hands are dirty. But we lift them. Praise the Lord. I love you. You are holy. Go hug your sister. Can't do that, Lord. <laughs> but I love you. Hallelujah. Go say sorry to your husband. God, I can't do that right now, but thank you, Jesus. We just going to sit here and meditate for a little bit. Let's keep this real. It's difficult. Paul says, I beat the flesh daily. That wasn't a physical beat, we know. So please don't go out there and start beating yourself. Because we will be praying your deliverance. What he was saying is, I bring my flesh under subjection daily. Because you think my flesh got the memo this morning and I'm having to tell it again this afternoon. That I am going to walk in love like God walked and loved. Because that is the, that's the standard that he set. Love as Christ has loved us. How I many you know that's a whole different standard than the world? One that we didn't even understand until the Holy Spirit moved in. He gave himself up. We were, my husband and I were getting ready to go to bed, and this mosquito from, I, I'm telling you, it was from the land of where Goliath lives. It wasn't a mosquito, it was a bird. And it had bit my ankle. So I'm laying in the bed, and I'm just, I'm going to town with this. I'm like, look, this is really working me. And my husband, I love him to death, but when he gets in the bed, he ain't getting out unless the house is on fire or somebody's breaking in. So if you want something for him, you better catch him before those blankets go over his shoulders. And so I'm sitting there, and he's like, what's wrong? And I'm telling him about this mosquito bite, and it's, I'm trying to work it out, and I'm thinking I need to get up, but I really don't want to get up. And all of a sudden, he gets up. I'm thinking, what's he doing? He comes back with this ointment. And I'm looking at him like, are you okay? Because I know you don't. <laughs> and he said to me, I was laying there. And God said to him, what would you do if this was you? And he said, I would get up and put something on it. And in that moment, he recognized what God was saying to him. Your wife is you. You need to go ahead and get up and deal with that. And I was so grateful for his sacrifice because I knew it was a sacrifice. <laughs> it's a sacrifice of love for real. But in that moment, that, that scripture came alive. It was practical. What would you want somebody to do for you when you're in trouble, when you need help, when you need prayer? What would you have them do for you? Do that for them. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So the Lord tapped him on the shoulder and said, love her like you love yourself. And as we do that, the world begins to see our behavior with one another. And the Bible says the world will know us because of the love we have one for another. So that's why the enemy attacks us on a daily basis, not to talk to each other, not to pray, not to be connected, work each other's nerves. Iron sharpen iron. That's friction, y'all. 
not agreeing with one another. So I'm, I don't like you. And not only do I don't like you, I'm going to go tell everybody else I don't like you. Forgetting the sacrifice of the precious blood of Jesus that made it possible for us to love each other unconditionally. Easy? No. Impossible? No. Because the Holy Spirit lives in us. And every moment we get the opportunity and the privilege to sacrifice and deaden our flesh, we get an opportunity to get a taste of what Jesus does for us all the time. He never turns his back on us. Never says, you know what? That's it. I'm not going to forgive. Matter of fact, you're not going to breathe today. How about that? His love is unconditional. He doesn't pull back from us. He pulls forward. Our consecration Compromise is a parasite to consecration. The enemy wants us to compromise our faith and our love walk. He wants to compromise the truth of the cross. Do you know there are theologians out there now that they're saying the cross did not exist? It wasn't literal. It was figurative. What? Theologians. The cross was literal. Jesus' blood was real, and he shed it for you and I. We do not compromise the truth so the world will understand. Didn't God say it's a mystery? 2 Corinthians chapter 2, it's foolishness to the world. Why? Because they don't have the spirit living in them. Wasn't it foolishness to us? But look where we are sitting now. It's comprehend through the Holy Spirit. We comprehend it through him. So we need to live a consecrated life. And what Paul was telling the Galatians, look, this isn't about the law of Moses because that's what they kept bringing in, the Judaizers, bringing it in and telling them all the things you need to do that goes with salvation. Now, it wasn't that they were to throw it out the window. It's that it does not belong with salvation. Salvation is a gift by grace. There's nothing you can do or earn or circumcise yourself, uncircumcised, don't talk, do talk, wear long dresses, don't wear long dresses. None of that has to do with salvation. It's exactly what God wanted. It's a gift for each and every one of us, whosoever will. And then when we receive that gift, we get to live a life of consecration that speaks of his love. This love that we speak of in this text isn't agape, which we're used to, the unconditional love. It's actually, and I'm probably going to butcher this for all my Greek scholars, agapao. And what it is, it's, a, it's full of goodwill and it exhibits the same. So there's always goodwill in my heart towards you no matter what. That my love is not conditional. I don't see you messing up and say, see, I knew they, they had issues. They got a spirit on them. <laughs> No praying, no helping, no nothing. That's not the love of God. How would you feel if you went into the doctor's office and he diagnosed you and left the room? And not only that, he went down the, the hallway and told the nurses and doctors what's wrong with you. So everybody knows what's wrong with you but you. God's love prescribes. This is where you are and this is where I'm going to take you. That's the goodwill of God. So when we look at each other, this is where we are and this is where we know God's going to take you because he's faithful who promised. He's going to do what he said in each and every last one of us. 
There's not one of us in here that not, will not be conformed by his hand. The dilemma is he didn't tell us how he was going to conform us. So a lot of times we're in the conforming mode and don't even realize it. He's testing us. You ever sit in the class with all your classmates? I know you don't want to peek over to the paper, especially when you don't know the answer. But you're only responsible for your answer. So just because your neighbor answered it wrong doesn't mean you get to answer it wrong. Come, let us reason together, the scripture says. What does the word say about this? Then get your flesh in check and do it because it speaks of relationship and love to God and one another. We are reconciled first to God and then reconciled to one another. If you could walk this earth, say you love God and not be reconciled with your brother, I have a problem with that. Somewhere along the line, you're, somebody's deceived because you cannot love God and love his word and be satisfied with being divided with your brother, talking about your brother. When you talk about your brother, you're talking about yourself. We are many members of one body. But when we bring the mindset of the world in here, the way they love, the way we used to love, because it's not a us against them, we were them. But when we take on the world's mentality, it's conditional. I like you if you're saying what I like you to say. But if you're not saying what I like, I got something to say about that. What we want to do is love and goodwill to exhibit the kind of love that God wants us to show the world. It's powerful, y'all. There's something about this love walk that I believe the church is going to come into in the next couple of months that's going to rock our world. And it's not going to be a movement of human effort. It's going to be the spirit of God that does it through us. And he's looking for available vessels who will say, yes, Lord. Many of us have been tested over this year. Can you love the unlovable? Can you love when you're hurt? How many of you in here have never made a mistake? Raise your hand. He said, wait. See, none of you have a lying spirit. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, you know, when you mess up, there's somebody on the other side of your mess up. And most of the time we get hurt. So not only have we been hurt, we've hurt people. Sometimes intentional, sometimes not. But when we understand who God is, we know he'll work all of that to the good. The dilemma is, will we believe him? You're either going to believe God or the enemy. There is no in-between. Don't be deceived. You're either believing God or you believe in Satan. Tonight, I'm grateful that we are called to freedom. And as we stand to our feet, I want to say a prayer for you, for us, that anything in our soul that's keeping us from freedom, because we're already free, God did the work. When he said it was finished, it was what, what? finished. But sometimes we find ourselves in these strongholds of hurt and pain that go all the way back to our childhood, but they affect our behavior today. I want to believe in this Independence Day as the world celebrates that we're going to celebrate our freedom. And we're not going to walk out of here being bound with anything other than a hope. We are prisoners of hope. So Lord, I thank you for your word that we are called to freedom. I thank you for your cross that took every sin and nailed it to the cross for us. I thank you that we get to live in a consecrated state, 
set apart for you, God. Lord, we bind every evil work of the enemy that would cause us to live in a jail cell with the door wide open. Lord, we come against rejection and abandonment, addictions, the things that try to keep us bound, fatherlessness, didn't grow up with a father and heard about it. God, we break that right now in the name of Jesus. We say every stronghold is broken by your completed work of the cross. And we refuse to just throw that sacrifice on the floor like it meant nothing. Lord, thank you for freeing us by your spirit. So we thank you for healing the hurts. Lord, for speaking to our hearts, for letting us not be bound, but free. So Lord, not only am I free, not only are we free, we are walking in freedom. That whatever situation we find ourselves in, we can respond already delivered, already set free. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for life itself, God. With you, Lord, there's nothing else we desire. So we thank you for this celebration of freedom. We pray our world would come into this freedom. That they would recognize without you, they are not free, they're bound. We pray for the salvation and souls of the lost. We ask that you would draw them by your spirit and give us the privilege to lead them to you. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for setting us free. Thank you for our born identity in you, that we are called to freedom. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.